about that they wanted anyone who had sermon requests or anything like that to turn those in to me. I promise those are coming. <laughs> I promise those are going to happen. If you've turned in a sermon request, I'm working on those, but we were going through this series in order to kind of give us some time to make sure we flush all that out, make sure that I can give you the most detailed explanation for some of the topics that you gave. So just wanted to make sure I covered that first of all. As we're going through our study of the Beatitudes, we were going to finally start digging into each of the individual Beatitudes. We start off by kind of describing the, the broad study and what was important about the Beatitudes, what Jesus was trying to accomplish. We were talking about how from the beginning, Jesus was leading up to this point. This is the literal backbone of everything that Christ was teaching and everything that Christ was trying to show the world. We discussed how this was a revolutionary teaching, something that was not normal for their day and age, something that many people would have looked at maybe a little cross-eyed and said, what are you talking about here? Why are you trying to bring up some of these things? But as we go into each of the individual Beatitudes, I think we're going to find a very interesting study because of going in depth on these things. It sounds so simple. When we just go through and read each of these statements, it's a very short statement each time, and we tend to kind of walk away from it and say, okay, well, that was a neat little statement. But when you really dig into each of these words and what he's actually saying, it's a powerful message. It's a powerful message that Jesus is describing. So this morning, we're going to begin by discussing how Jesus was trying to show your need for God, helping us to see our need for God. Now, it's not unusual for us today if we go out into the world and we talk to people about God or talk about the Bible, most of the time you're going to have a fairly civil conversation Someone says, oh, that's great. Okay, you're a Christian. Awesome. Or, oh yeah, I believe in God too. Or, I follow the Bible too. And it's pretty easy to have those conversations. But far fewer people actually see their need for God. There was a friend of mine who said that, or he did not grow up in the church, but he became a member later in life and became a gospel preacher. And he said, I sort of used to envy those who grew up in the church, and those who were surrounded by the Bible teaching all the time, who knew all the stories, who were able to quote from different verses of the Scriptures. He said, but as I've begun to grow older and as I've actually been preaching to people and talking to people, he says, honestly, that's not the case anymore. And when I asked him why that was, he says, because so many people who grew up in the church don't actually appreciate what it means to be a Christian. They don't see the other side. They were never on the side where they were wondering and searching for truth and trying to dig through every crack and crevice just to find out if this God is actually real. He said, but as I was growing up and as I was living in an ungodly home and I was surrounded by people who didn't care about the Bible or didn't care about the Word of God, he said, I understood just how much it meant when I found it. When I finally cracked open the Word of God and I saw this, this great being who had done so much for me and understood His power and the severity of this same being, He said, it changed my whole world. Do we see our need for God? Now, of course, we're talking to the Sunday morning crowd, right? We're talking to the ones who show up for worship service. So obviously we understand our need for God, but as one of my instructors used to say, never underestimate the ignorance or intelligence of anyone. And that includes the guy standing in the pulpit, by the way. The point we're doing or going through with this is trying to understand our need for God because sometimes it's easy for us to forget it. It's easy for us to say, oh yes, I love God, I love His Word, but maybe we don't see the actual need. 
Maybe we just tend to go through the motions and we forget why it is that we're here. We forget why it is that we study the Word of God. We forget why it is that this is so important, why we go through the difficulties of life, why we face all the backlash. But it's important that we see our need. And it's interesting that this is where Jesus starts. He talks about this entire section and the very first thing, understand you have a need for God. Now, how does he describe this? Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, some might look at that statement and say, what on earth does poor in spirit mean? This is exactly it. Those who lower themselves to understand they have a need. Those who are humble. Those who don't say, well, I don't have any need for this. I can do whatever I want. We go throughout the Scriptures and all throughout the book of Proverbs in particular, we see over and over again how God says that the proud are those who are going to be foolish. The proud are those who stand against God. That God is never going to be on the side of those who are proud. Why is that? Well, should we not be proud and confident people? Well, there's a big difference between confidence and pride. You see, pride is confidence, but in yourself. I'm proud of myself. I can say, well, I'm, I've accomplished X, Y, and Z, and so obviously people should listen to me. But the reality is Christianity, in a nutshell, is a denial of self. I have to take everything that I would want to do. If it violates God's will, I have to leave it behind. So no matter how many times I get cut off in traffic and want to shout at somebody, no matter how many times that drive through is slow, no matter how many times someone screams in my face, and no matter how many relationships I lose, I follow God. I stay the course because there's a need. There is a value in following after God. So let's break this down. How, how do I understand that I have a need for God? Well, first of all, we have to know we've sinned. We've sinned. If you are trying to talk to someone about the church, about the Bible, about anything, this is probably one of the most difficult things to have someone understand. <laughs> that someone has sinned. That they're in the wrong. Far too often, we don't want to be told that we're wrong. We would rather die on that hill <laughs> making sure that I'm never going to be told that I'm wrong rather than correcting it and doing what was right. There was a friend of mine growing up who says, I love it when people tell me I'm wrong. And I said, you liar? <laughs> and he said, no, I genuinely mean that. He said, the reason I say that is because if I'm doing something that's going to hurt me, I might be mad at you in the moment. But once I calm down and think about it, I'm thankful someone told me I was wrong. That someone told me this was the wrong path. He said, if I was going to invest millions of dollars into something on the stock market and someone said, that company's going bankrupt. He said, I would want them to tell me that. <laughs> I would want them to tell me that because I don't want to put all of my investments into this company that's going to fall apart and I lose everything. Friends, we invest our time, we invest our lives into things and far too often people don't want to be told that company's going bankrupt. They don't want to be told that I'm investing my time in something that's not going to matter. I'm investing my energy into things that won't matter. I'm investing all my effort into people who are not going to listen. Our job is to show people the world for what it is. 
Not for the shiny coat that people have put on it, but to tell them exactly what it means, what the world is, and what it's going to end up being. See, you and I have a unique opportunity because we've been shown what the world actually can be, and we've been shown what the world does to people. We've been given a way of escape. Now it's our job to show others. You see, if we understand that we've sinned, we understand that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 All have sinned. Every single person. Does that include people in the pews? Yes, it includes people in the pews. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If I understand that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, then what else do I understand? All have a need. All have a need. If I don't understand that point, if I don't grasp that point, then nothing else that we say matters. Nothing else that we do matters. Because as long as I believe that I'm perfectly fine and don't need God, I won't seek Him. I won't follow Him. Why would it matter? I don't go to the doctor just for kicks. I don't go to the doctor just because I want to go hang out. I go to the doctor because I know I have a need. I have something that needs to be taken care of. And sometimes we go to the doctor just to make sure there's not something that needs taken care of. Friends, that's what Christianity is as a whole. We have a sickness, we have a disease, and we're trying to cure it. We're trying to fix it. So all have sin. All have fallen away from the Lord. And sin has consequences. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages, the earnings, what we have earned is death. That's the simple fact. No ifs, ands, or buts. That's what you and I have earned. But as we talked about in the Scripture reading this morning, it is by the grace of God that we can be where we are. That's what Paul said. I mean, think about the life of Paul and what all he did. Think about the guilt and the shame that he would have felt after killing those who he later finds out were right. How many times do you think he stayed awake at night seeing the faces of those he had persecuted? And just powering through and saying, well, I have to try to help others. Sin has consequences. The reality is that no sin is greater than another sin. However, the consequences can be far more severe. There can be more physical consequences to certain sins. If I decide to partake in something that's going to hurt me that God has specifically condemned, it is going to have more physical consequences. But the reality is at the end, all are going to be the same. There's consequences for this. There's no benefit. Some have discussed the idea of maybe there's degrees of of blessing or condemnation in the afterlife, but regardless of whether or not that's true, there's not going to be one option in hell that's good. There's not going to be one moment where we say, okay, that guy had it much better off than the other guy. No. It's a place of torment. On the flip side, there's not going to be one place in heaven that's not good. (laughs) There's not going to be one place where someone says, man, I don't have what I want over here. We'll have exactly what we need. 
But sin has consequences. If I understand that I have sinned, if I understand that sin has consequences, that's going to change my line of thinking. See, sin is what separates us from God. Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2, he says, The Lord's ear is not shortened, or his hand is not shortened that he cannot save, neither is ear heavy that he cannot hear. But your iniquities, your sins, have separated you from your God, and your sins have hid his face that he will not hear. Many in the world today like to discuss how insane Christianity sounds. You're going to say a prayer. You're going to go into a room by yourself and just talk to yourself. Sounds crazy. The reality is, you and I know we're not just talking to ourselves. We're not just talking to a little voice in our head. We're talking to the Lord Almighty. The one who sent His Son to this earth. The one who His Son gave His life for you and for me died on a cross. Because we had a sin problem. We have a problem being separated from Him. And as long as sin is there, there is no relationship with God. 1 John chapter 1. God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. God cannot allow something evil to be a part of Himself. We say, well then how can He allow Christians? Friends, we've got to stop calling ourselves sinners. If we are, we're in trouble. Yes, we all were sinners in need of a Savior, but if we have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine, we have been brought out of that. Separated from the sins of this world. Now when I make mistakes, when I fall short, I make it right with the Lord. And He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. But as long as I have the mentality that I'm a sinner, I will make excuses The attitude that people have about their, sta their station in life, where they are. If you are on one side of God, that's a sinner. But if you are on the Lord's side, that is not a title that should ever stick to you. Now that's just beating over the head, right? No, there's no reason for that title to stick to you. You say, well, I make mistakes, I sin, I fall short. Absolutely. Because we're people. We make mistakes. But a sinner is one who continues in their sin. A sinner is one who is on the path of wrongdoing and continues on it. Doesn't change his path. Doesn't walk away from it. Doesn't make it right. That's a sinner. The sinner is one who sees what the Lord has said. Sees what God has told you and me and says, I don't care. whether by word or by action. Now, what do I mean by that? Because some people will never say, I don't care what God says, but they'll live their lives like it daily. We have to understand that we have sin. That's how we understand we have a need for God. If we don't grasp that point, then none of the rest of this matters. We can't talk about the love of God until we understand the severity. Think about it for a moment. When a child is born into this world, and they're growing up in their parents' household, what's the first emotion you think they have about their parents? And the rules in the household? Probably a little bit of fear. Why? I stick my hand at that electrical socket, I got slapped. 
There's a little bit of fear. Why'd you hit me? But as they grow older, they start to understand why that was done. As they grow older, they start to understand their parents more and more. They understand the love that their parents have for them. And that fear changes to love. That fear changes to comfort. Assuming we have good parents, assuming that's how we grew up. But the reality is you can find no better father than the Lord. And far too many people want the loving God, but they never understand the need for Him. They never understand His position. It's important that we understand, first of all, that we have sinned. But second of all, we have to understand we have weaknesses. We have weaknesses. Now, this one's a little bit interesting because we like to portray ourselves as having it all together. Don't believe me? Look at Facebook. Look at Instagram. We like to believe we have it all together. You'll see a family who are showing every single wonderful thing they've done. You would think they have 17 cars and a 25-story mansion. But you don't see the conversations they have behind closed doors. You don't see the insecurities they might have. You don't see the fear and the paranoia they might have. That's not social media worthy. We like to imagine that we have no weaknesses or we use our weaknesses like a crutch. Say, well, I can't do X because I'm just not good enough or I can't do X because I just... What about Paul saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Now, no, that doesn't mean you're going to kick a 50-yard field goal in a football game. That's not what that means. But it means you can face any difficulties that come. You can face the trials and the difficulties that we face. You think about what the first century church went through, what all they faced, all the moments of fear and they pushed through. They continued on. Because they were super people, right? No. They were just like you and me. You go back and read history and you look at the examples and we tend to glamorize things back in the day or demonize them, one of the two, and like to say that things were worse or better than they were. These were just people. Tell me if this sounds familiar. In order to keep a group of people happy... They gave all the entertainment in the world. In order to keep people from getting upset about how bad things were, they gave them just a, all the food, free food if you want it. People don't change. That was the Roman Empire. They understood their society was collapsing, and so to distract people from that, they gave all the circuses. They made them free. All the entertainment you could ever want. All the food you could ever want. Now you're fat and happy. That's what they wanted. The world hasn't changed. The world hasn't gotten worse. We just finally woke up to it. We can't just hide away from it. We see it in front of us. And friends, Christianity shows the world even brighter than anything else. Because Christianity brings a spotlight to this dark world. And people don't like it. People don't like being shown how bad things can be. 
But you and I, we have weaknesses. Man sinned and now struggles with the difficulties of life. Look at what happened to Adam and Eve. Adam was told that he had sinned and now he was going to have to till the ground. He was going to have to deal with the difficulties and the backbreaking labor to get the food, implying that wasn't the case before. Eve now had to deal with the pain and the difficulty of childbirth and the struggle of that. Pains that never would have been the case in the Garden of Eden. But where sin goes, pain follows. Difficulty follows. We live in a world that's not perfect. We live in a world that has problems. And people try day in and day out to say, we're going to make this a wonderful world to live in. It's never going to happen. I hate to break it to you. You go back 50 years and we talk about how great things were back in the day. Go reread history. Maybe your street was wonderful. Maybe that was the thing. The world is a horrible place. The world has many atrocities that are committed, has horrible people that have lived in it. Weakness itself, though, is not the sin. Let's make that very clear. Being a weak person who struggles with things does not make you an evil person. It does imply some growth is needed, though. It does imply that some exercise is needed to take the time to grow in the efforts that you're trying to accomplish. If you're trying to be a faithful Christian, you have weakness, look to God. Look to those who have faced more than you have. Look for any advice that can be given from God's Word. Dig more. Look at James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 in particular. James introduces this letter. He says, Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. That sounds like a load of baloney. Why on earth would I count it joy to be tempted? What he's referring to here, this word temptation, literally just means difficulties of life. Count it a joy when you face trials and difficulties. Why? Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. You'll never grow without challenge. Now, that doesn't mean we go looking for fights. It doesn't mean we go looking for problems. We don't go and say, man, I really need an exercise in my Christianity, so I'm going to go yell at the guy on the street. No, we don't go looking for those moments. We look to help people. But when those trials come, when those difficulties come, we can count it a joy because we know we can grow stronger because of it. That getting through it will mean we'll come out better on the other side. We have weaknesses. We have difficulties. We have problems. Weakness can, however, be made strong. I'm reminded of the end of Hebrews chapter 11, the great hall of fame of faith, and we read all of these things that happened to those who tried to follow after God, the being sawn asunder, the burned in the fire, all these things. But then what does God say about it? Through the pen of the Hebrew writer, how does He describe them? Of whom the world was not worthy. Just imagine... If there was a phrase that I wish I could have on my tombstone and could say it honestly, that's it. That God Almighty looked down from heaven and saw His servants and said the world was not worthy of that. Think about how amazing a statement that really is. These were just people. 
These were just people like you and me, Job, Noah, all of these people who had great moments of faith. They were people just like you and me. The difference between them and most people today is they put their full trust in God and committed to what He said. That's the difference. Not being smarter, not being stronger, they committed to Him wholeheartedly. They said, no matter what happens, I'm following after God. If we want to name the name of Christ, if we want to say that I'm a member of His church, that's our mandate. That's our charge. It'll be difficult. It'll be moments of weakness, but that's what we can do. The last shall be first and the first shall be last. That's how Jesus described His people. If we think ourselves greater, well, we may not be. Those who are humble, those who humble themselves before God, those are the ones who God will hold as His own. But more than just having these understanding we have sin, more than just knowing we have weakness, it, we understand it's only through God that I can be saved. God is the source of our salvation. God is the only source. We read that in our Scripture reading this morning, that it's only by the grace of God that Paul was where he was. That's what you and I can be as well. There are many who will say that they have the way. This morning we can go out to a billion different places and we'll find a billion different ways that we can be saved or that we can live a great life. But God is the only source. Christ made the path available for us to be saved. He was that sacrifice once for all. Never having to have another sacrifice, never having to kill another animal, never having to do any of those things. But He was the sacrifice. That last question is only something that you and I can answer individually. I can't answer that for you. You can't answer that for me. Far too often people like to make those decisions for themselves. They like to look at anyone. And they like to say that, oh, that person's never going to hear, or oh, that person is a great person. We can know a tree by the fruit that it bears oftentimes. But there are times that people can hide things. You and I don't know the heart of another man. So when these questions are put up in a sermon, when these statements are made in a general sense, it's hard for us sometimes to point that at ourselves. Because it's easy just to say, where do I stand with God? Do you? Do I? Can I honestly say that? When I put the Word of God in front of me and I look at what God expects of His people, do I match up? Now, not in a prideful sense, because as long as I'm being faithful, I'm following what God has told me to do. But can I say that? Or are there things in my life that's drawing me away? Do I understand that I have sin, I've made mistakes, and I need to be brought back to Him, and as long as I stay in that state, I'm lost Or do I understand I just have weaknesses and need to grow a little bit stronger, need the prayers of the church to do that? At the end of these sermons, we have this invitation, not as a way that you can just 
say all the tea in front of everybody so we all have some gossip for later on this afternoon when we eat at the Cracker Barrel. These invitations are so that you can make things right and not have to walk out of those doors unsure. It's so that if you have weaknesses in your life, difficulties in your life, you can bring that before the church and we can strengthen you. Because how can we help if we don't know? God never meant for this to be a solo ride. He never meant for this to be something that we had to face all on our own. But the choice falls to you. The choice falls to me what I will do with this invitation. I can walk out the doors like normal, acting like nothing's ever happened. But if there's something in my life that needs to change, or I just need the prayers for strength, don't hesitate. He made His path available. If you're not a member of the Lord's church and you've never had these blessings, knowing that this is your lot in life, He made that available for you and me, hearing the Word, believing it to be true. Understanding this is exactly what God told me. And repenting of those past sins, that changing of our minds, which brings a change of life. When I understand I have sin, I know I need to turn away from it. And I'm going to seek other paths. And based upon that repentance, we're willing to confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's exactly who He said He was. Based upon that confession, we can baptize you into Christ this very morning. Bearing that old man of sin, raised to walk in newness of life, as we read in Romans chapter 8. Leaving all that guilt, all that shame, all that fear behind. What's your choice this morning? Will you stand with Him? Do you understand your need for God? As together as we stand, as we sing.